and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. So we have been interviewing our co-hosts the past two episodes, and we have this episode and one more to get through all four of us. And today, we are interviewing the lovely Lauren. Hi! So Lauren, where are you originally from? I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, until in between sophomore and junior year of high school. Then I moved to Virginia for my mom's job. And I stayed there for two years. And then I came back to Texas for college in Dallas and stayed there for another 10 years after I got my degree. Then reunited with my husband. We knew each other in our Protestant youth group. Together, We were together in a Protestant youth group, knew each other, didn't hang out with each other. Reunited as adults, just reconnected through a friend. And both of us had separately been coming back home to the church when God brought us together on that same path. He kind of moved us toward each other. So that was in Dallas. Then we got married, and now we are in Oklahoma City. Been here for almost eight years. So for all of those, like, diehard sports fans in Texas, college sports, what college did you go to in Texas? Because you might, like, alienate a whole population of, of our Texas Definitely not listeners. anyone that matters. I'll okay. tell you that. <laughs> not a school that mattered or had a ball team. So, okay. Oh, no, a private religious school. Okay, there so, you go. Nothing is, is a, yeah. Oh, they had a baseball team. Now they have one now. They have a team now. But not when I was going there, no. So, okay. <laughs> I don't generally um, prescribe to sports ball fanning, so um, I apologize to our, our listeners for that. I, I have nothing to offer in the way of, of sports for them. Well, since we now know that you didn't play any sports, <laughs> now, were you like debate nerd or like band nerd? Like I was actually a debate nerd, uh, literally nice. a debate nerd. I went to state with Lincoln Douglas debate and student congress, and I did uh, when I moved to Virginia. I did DECA, which is um, a marketing club, but they what we did in DECA was more um, universal. Uh, sort of, we would come up with these projects and we'd have to plan these business models and we'd have to present them and we had to do different humanitarian scenarios and we'd go to Congress, we'd go to state and nationals and we'd present these ideas that we had to a panel and they would decide, you know, if we won or not. And it was a lot of work. These proposals were 30 and 40 pages long. So high school kids having to really like come up with the details for, so it was actually great training. Like I, I, I did a lot of things in high school. Most people would say that nothing that they did in high school, you know, academically is with them now. But I actually am still using a lot of the skills that I learned in debate and marketing and, and all of that. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so, Well, I know you have a literature background. And so asking you what your favorite book is probably not <laughs> a, the <laughs> best a question. question. <laughs> but... What do you look for when you're choosing a new book to read? 
Um, that's a great question. I rely a lot on recommendations and from what I've read in reviews. So I like to, I also like to do, um, like if, if there's someone I know who I truly respect their reading life, I know that sounds so nerdy, but you got to understand book nerds, I have other book nerds they hang out with, they follow each other's read, you know, reading lists. It's really, really nerdy. And I know that some of you are like that too, but uh, we, so I will, you know, kind of hobnob with some of those people whose reading life I want to emulate or who I have similar values with or who maybe are is totally different than me that I just want to sort of get more into what they're reading. And I'll ask them for recommendations or I'll see what they're reading. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is influencers too, like uh, some blogs that I follow or some podcasts will recommend books and I'll read those. I also like to bibliography snoop on books that I love. So what I'll do is I'll read a book and I'll look at their notes section mm-hmm. and I'll go and read some of the stuff off of what they got their research from. So, or I'll read their friends or, you know, so it's sort of a trail. It's a winding trail. And that's a lot of it too, is just recommendations from people I know who said this book changed my life or I love this book. Mm-hmm. And so. So I could probably count the number of books that I've read on like I don't know, a couple of sets of hands, but like you, can you, can you even like say or estimate like how many books you've no. read? Yeah. What about last year? Last year was a very slow year. I think I read like 30, like, and that's it. That, that was, I mean, I, cause I was pregnant and then my son was born 20, 2020 and 2021 were, it's odd. Like, um, the books that I read were so substantive and beautiful and they're, but I didn't read a lot. And a lot of what I read were was things with my kids, their stuff. So I don't really count that on my list, per se. Mm-hmm. It's their list that we read together. So I would say I probably read five or six that were really meaty and challenging last year. And those weren't even what I would consider normally. It was one of those years that was just... And I'm still sort of in that mode where I'm needing more light things. I'm starting to get into deeper stuff, but it's still... I'm still kind of feeling the post-pregnancy haze. Mm. So I'm still sort of reading the easy stuff right now or what I think is easy. So that's impressive, even though 30 books. Yeah, some of them were small. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like that's even fair because they really were like... (laughs) Well, and you've talked about your conversion and you just also mentioned that you and your husband kind of reconnected when you were coming back to home to the church. Um, so when did you come back home to the church? It was a very slow process. It started when I was about, you know, now that I think about it, it was probably 10 years of just slowly opening my heart back up to, A, to God in a way that he was the Lord of my life versus just someone I believed in. See, even in my wandering years, I was always in love with God. I loved and believed in him, wanted his presence with me. But I, he was not the Lord of my life. My addictions were the Lord of my life, and I was the Lord of my life. So there was always an affection there, even in those dark years that came from when I was younger, that deep relationship I had with him. That never went away. But certainly my fellowship with him and the grace between us has, was severed through those times. So I would say it started at about 24 and then it carried on through my marriage and into my second son and continued to get, it really became this, it really became the most important thing in my life, probably when my son was about six months old. And I had been returning back 
more quickly throughout my pregnancy with him too, just due to some really difficult situations in our life that had made me feel there was a point where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to be this. It's too hard. These answers aren't here. I need these answers and they're not coming. And now I don't know if I can do it. Kind of like what you went through, Alicia, that moment of crisis where you're like, I'm going to walk away from this. And I had never been that way in my life ever until that point. And it was actually that moment that kind of shook me out of that feeling. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, if you don't help me, I'm going to, I'm going to, something will die here. And he did. The next day, immediately the help came and started coming and it's been coming ever since. So I think I just had to get to that point where I was done being in charge. So that happened, you know, probably eight years ago, seven and a half years ago is when it really became all the stuff that hit, because I had this deep and beautiful relationship with God all through high school and college, all of those deposits and those riches and those beautiful things that had been put into my soul by God came flooding back. But what they had carried with them was experience and pain and humility, which I did not have back then. Um, And understanding that you are truly nothing without me. So that has been nice to have that back. So, but I'm glad that I had those years before because it really did prepare me for what I'm doing now in a lot of ways. So when you were on that journey of like coming back to your faith and growing deeper into it, like were you and your husband kind of on the same page or were there times when you were kind of conflicting, like yeah. knocking heads? That was a very hard thing. We have never been at the same place until about two or three years ago. And that's due to him coming to the point where he was ready to completely um, just throw his chips in and give God all. And even now we're still kind of, we are not what I would say exactly spiritually yoked because you've met couples like that and you can see it and it's beautiful and you're like, oh, that's, you know, I hope that everyone can get to that at some point, but that's not really the reality for most couples. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Now I could be speaking out of turn here, but I, so no, I would say that we were not matched, but I will say that once I truly allowed the Lord and without any strings, um, the grace took over and started pulling him deeper too. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't have anything to do with me because I, we were not praying together. We were not, you know, he was seeing this go on with me and we were talking about it, but he, he was watching the beauty that was coming from it, but it was not a reality for him yet in that capacity. It has since become a reality for him, but I feel like it's sort of like a tide, like we just go in and out of feeling connected to each other. And then sometimes it's really close and other times. And it doesn't help that he and I are absolutely opposite in our personalities. He doesn't respond or relate to people or God the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, What works at making him feel connected to God would not work for me. So we're just very different. um, It is closer now though, because of a few um, practices that we've adopted through some of the... um, the things that we do together as a couple to build each other up spiritually, like our groups that we're in, that has helped to build a bridge between those two very different spiritualities. But if I had to to describe how different we are, it would be like a Jesuit with a Carmelite. And for those of you that know anything about that, (laughs) totally different. I mean, just completely different approaches to God, both 
um, if it's a true Ignatian approach, um, both are beautiful paths and, and are actually really compatible in, a, in, in when they're stripped down to their most spiritual, you know, to their practices. But in terms of just his personality, the way his brain works, the way he approaches God and the way he approaches knowledge is just completely different mm-hmm. <laughs> than, than the mystical side. There's no mysticism there and on his end of it. It's more reason and thinking and will and virtue and all that, So I, which I love and it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's just not the way that I <laughs> do business yeah. with God. So. so what is your favorite thing about being Catholic? Um, that changes all the time. Uh, I would say that my, my answer for that would be different every year, I think, depending on what God is doing. I think that um, the community, both of the saints in heaven and the community of believers that we have here is my favorite thing because we are always able to reach out to people who understand what we're trying to do in our family. Um, because it's countercultural, you know, it's not the norm. But my Catholic friends understand that, and they're trying to do the same thing too. We don't always do it the same way, but I think the community, um, the fact that there is so much spiritual support from heaven in the form of the saints is one of my favorite things. I don't really know, had it not been for Saint Therese, if I would have, in her intercession, if I would have responded to God the way that I did. And I know that there is someone or many someones in heaven who are interceding for me. I feel their intercession. I think it might, I think I know who they were, are. Um, these are people that have passed on since, but have made deposits into my life that were very, very fruitful. And then I'm seeing the riches still coming out of those. So I know that they're in heaven and praying for me. I know that because mm-hmm. I feel that. So um, I think there's the connection between heaven and earth. That's my mystical side coming out, but I love that we don't live a common life. And, and to be Catholic is to live in an enchanted universe. I mean, that is what it is. Everything around us has meaning and life and it's imbued. And that's, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. That is cool. So in your parishes that you've been in, um, what are some of the roles that you have had or ministries that you've done? Because I know you also have your own ministries yes. that you do. I love parish ministry. I haven't done it in a while because we've been focusing on um, our work building up mine and then cranking out a couple more little ones. Um, I did, I taught junior high RE for girls and I did junior high girls Bible study and I did high school girls Bible study. And we also I'm trying to think of things before, like right when we were coming back to the church, we did help with RCIA a lot. My husband went through RCIA twice. Um, He was ready after the first one, but he didn't, he wanted to go through it again so that he could be sort of like a help to the other people there. And he just loved it so much. And so he just willfully went through RCIA again, the whole process before we actually did together um, a convalidation and there was all these things. I was missing some sacraments and just things like that. So we did this all at once in this big, beautiful ceremony. Uh, but before all that, we did uh, we did our CIA, and he is a, he he's a he's a Eucharistic minister. He served on the parish council for a while. I I, I don't do that side of things. Um, 
I was a VBS director for two years. On one of the years, I wrote the actual VBS in the curriculum, um, the whole thing from the top to the bottom, which is a huge endeavor, but it was so much fun. I love VBS. That's what, that's the thing that I would do every year if I had the emotional and you know physical energy to do it. It's one of the things that I just absolutely love the most. Yeah, so VBS is kind of my baby, and I love I love writing curriculum. So to be in charge of VBS, which is basically just a week-long curriculum blast, is just so fun. <laughs> so I love it. And then you travel as a speaker. I do. Mm -hmm. What's the, do you mind talking about your ministry yeah. that you have? Um, I have a ministry called Gathering Mana. It's a teaching ministry. There's a podcast. We have e-courses. Most of them are geared toward motherhood. Um, our most, the thing we do the most work with is the Merciful Mama retreats and the Merciful Mama course. And this is a course that uh, was developed out of our own experience. I say our because my husband and I are pretty much a team on this ministry. I do most of the teaching and training. He's on the back end with the technical and management side. But he was so, so much a part of the development of that course that I really give him a lot of credit to. But I did write it. And basically what, I, what, I, what it came from was me having to find a new way of relating to God. When my kids came, there was no long hours of journaling and sitting before the Blessed Sacrament. There was no scripture reading for all well into the evening, which is what I could do that. Like just really, I, you know, if, if you were able to leave me alone for six hours, that's what I would do is read and, you know, journal. That's, um, there was none of that when children came. And so I found my relationship with God floundering and that was part of my desperation and why I, I became so close with the saints because I had no other way to connect with him anymore. I didn't know how to do that. So through Carmelite spirituality, I began to discover a way to connect with God while I was doing other things. And then this big door opened up and I started learning about the interior life and I started studying and reading as much as I could about it and taking classes. And out of all of that experience came this cheat sheet that I developed for how to parent in a merciful way, how to parent like God parents us. And that's where the course came from. And so we talk a lot about what does it mean to be a merciful parent, but I also have other resources. We, we have Bible studies, um, general spirituality stuff inside the podcast. We haven't done any new episodes of that in a long time, um, but we're looking to revamp that this year. We We've just connected with a marvelous producer. <laughs> so I'm pointing at Stacy over here, who I think is going to help <laughs> us on the production side, which is going to make uh, content building a lot easier because I hate productions work and I did all my own production work. <laughs> so, so it will be fun to have someone else manage all the and all of that <laughs> stuff that I'm not good at. So, I mean, I'm good. I just, ugh. I don't, I, that's not, I don't like that part of it. I like the teaching part. So. <laughs> So that's our ministry. That's what we do. And for anybody who's like your interest is kind of peaked, but you're thinking like, oh, I'm not going to look into that or something. I went to one of her, what was it? was called Merciful Mama, mm -hmm. the Merciful Mama Retreat. And it was really a door in to learning just what you're talking about, about, you know, making your daily work prayer. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's fantastic. Thank you. It really just came out of my own desperation. Like truly, it was... A it was what God had taught me, and I just figured out a way to write it in a course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's everything I just learned, like, from my notes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, 
I, I, I knew that it would help because it helped me. And so I, yeah. I just wanted to share it. So. Well, and you were just talking about how when you're a mom, you're looking for another way to connect. And you, that's when you really got started looking into the saints and things. Who is the first saint that made that kind of latched on? Therese. So. Um, loudly and obnoxiously she did, as she will, <laughs> as those who love Therese know that she is like that. She is extravagant and obvious when she intercedes. She jumped out. I started seeing it was li- literally the day after I had that turning point in my life where I was like, I'm going to leave my faith because I can no longer do this. It's too dark here. I'm too alone here. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm reaching out in the dark and I don't know how to get to you anymore. If you don't help me, I can't continue. Intellectually, I just can't. And the next day she's like, hello! <laughs> <laughs> Therese books everywhere. Therese this, Therese that. Everything I heard, it was Therese. It, I mean, it's just... And, and then I read this tight. I remember where, when it really started was I went to a parish and they, you know how they have those kiosks all the booklets and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. There was a little booklet that was a summation of Vernon Johnson's bigger work about St. Therese. And I, we can link that. It's beautiful. Great resource to read about her if you love her. Um, but it was anyway, it was this tiny booklet that was sort of taken out of that that started talking about the little way, which I'd never heard of before. Being a revert, I missed all the catechesis of that. So I was still learning how to be an adult Catholic at this point. And I'm reading this booklet, and I'm like, this is exactly what I need. This is what I've been looking for. I didn't know this existed. And this whole world opened up, you know, namely the world of heaven. (laughs) And I realized that God did indeed want to continue to pursue me the way he had before, just in a different way. And she, it was her, I, I tried to, li- I started small, like I read that booklet, and I'm, here I am, this sort of noob convert, making notes about how I could, you know, how could I give up my irritation, just trying to figure out a way to make my day better and not so irritating. I knew that God wanted me to have more joy than I was having. I knew that this was not the experience he was, he was wanting for me. So I started applying it. Like, I started trying to make my life follow her way. And it worked, and all this joy started flooding in, joy that I hadn't felt in 15 years. Not happiness, joy. And I knew that, that I was onto something, and that was the beginning. And then after that, of course, the Carmelites. John, John of the Cross has always been there in the background um, in his quiet way. And so I started to really study him more. Teresa of Avila, brother... brother um, well, the practice of the presence of God was... Another really easy and big window opened to make me realize that this is a practical faith and that God wants to meet me in in the little things in my day, which was all I had, you know, the little things. All I had were these little moments to become a saint. I didn't have big tragedies. I didn't have anything. I didn't have big things I had to give up. I had to give up wanting to yell at my kids. That was my way. Changing a diaper cheerfully. That was my way in. I had nothing else to give God with that. And Therese's little way says that's what you give him. Like, it's all that little stuff. It's the comments you bite back. It's the denying yourself something you want just because. Because that's what leads you closer to God. It makes space for him. And so that was all I had, and she met me where I was at. And that was cool. Mm -hmm. Like, so I felt like I I was back in the game. 
I'm okay. so glad that you you had the grace to respond positively to her. You know, like you asked for that, and you were at your your wits end. You were at that cliff. Yeah. And I the really, next really day, was. like you saw that, and rather than being like, ugh, you know, like you you accepted that grace, and that's beautiful. And I think that like, you know, it just it's just beautiful because like it speaks to the humility of God that He's yeah. willing to let somebody else kind of take the front the front. Right. You know, so that he stays kind of in the back or whatever, so that they can lead you back to him. And so, it's well, it's so kind great. of when you when you threaten to break up with someone, but you really hope that they'll say, "Oh, please don't leave." <laughs> That's how it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was ready to break up with God because mm-hmm. I was so hurt and so in pain and so sad, and nothing in my life, everything that I, everything that I thought he was promising me, he wasn't giving it to me. It wasn't coming. None of it. And I was alone and sad, and I made all these changes in my life based on him promising me he was going to do these things, and they weren't coming. And so I was like, that's it. <laughs> you know, I'm leaving. And I'm like looking over my shoulder, like, you want to send something help or something? So, which he did. So the, I responded because I want. I didn't really want to leave in the first place. I was hoping that he would catch me. Yeah, so God knew your heart. Yes. Yeah. And he sent someone, and at first I didn't realize that, that what was going on. I didn't realize that because you know, as you get as you become a seasoned Catholic, you start to understand these saints have their same personalities they had on Earth, and so they they still act the same way. I didn't realize that she was pursuing me, that that was actually a thing that happens, and she was, and she continued to do that for years. And it was a, a few months before I started to really understand that she was a living person who was wanting to be in fellowship with me. And from that point, it, my heart just dropped into my stomach because I realized, oh my gosh, these people are real. They're actual people, like with souls and thoughts and memories. And she's looking at me and she's saying my name the way that God does. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so that, that was fun. Um, instead of asking what if you have a favorite prayer, do you have a go-to prayer? Like help me, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I have not. Met, it's funny because people are like, "Well, you must have it all together," because blah blah blah. Not even a shred. Not even a shred. I don't know how to exist without a desperate dependence on God, and so that's what I sell <laughs> because it's the only thing that has ever worked for me. And I know that other people, I'm not the only one. So help me is really the prayer that gets that comes out the most. And then and there's various forms of that. Like sometimes he'll even tell me what to pray. Like he'll say, I want you to pray, or he'll give me a phrase, you know, or he'll drop it into my heart or something. Like, I want you to pray this or or ask me for this. Like the, I was I was telling you guys the other day, he this this phrase dropped into my mind. I want you to ask me to help you to say only the words that will bear fruit in your children's heart, that will answer their deepest need for love, that will secu- make them feel secure, that will, that will shore them up for their vocation and for their calling in their life. I want you to only say those words and I want you to ask me to, act, to help you. And it was just like, well, that's weird. I mean, yeah, that's great. That's that's efficient. So, <laughs> so, I'm like, yes. So I've been praying that prayer, and it's 
why wouldn't you? It's like, he's so logical. God is so logical. Why don't you just ask me to help you talk to them? So that I, I already know. I've already been preparing their hearts and I already know the wounds. And this is the other thing. The Lord is very intimately aware of the wounds that our children already have in their souls. And so is the enemy. And so we have to be very wise in the way that we approach each of our children. And this is just my opinion. Now I'm just talking. And so what I say to my son, I can't say to my daughter. And what I say to my daughter, I can't always say to my son because it would wound him. Whereas she would see it as, Dah. you know, whatever. She's like that. Everything's up here in her brain. My son is all heart and he doesn't, you know, so, so it just, it seems more efficient to me to ask the Lord to help. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So like, I, I know with these kind of things where you kind of get this inspiration, this little prompting from the Holy Spirit, and then sometimes you don't see the fruits of it until later, and sometimes mm-hmm. you start seeing them mm-hmm. immediately like a snowball kind of effect. Have you been seeing that since you've been saying this prayer? Have you seen that like changes in yourself or your children? In myself. Yeah. In myself. Um, I try not to... Because of who I am, I know my weaknesses, and I try not to define myself by how, by how they behave. Because one of my weaknesses is, I guess it would stem from pride, but it's too much self-reliance. And so if I begin to say, well, I started praying that. It. <laughs> so you see, that's working. My brain and my, my fallen soul or concupiscence will begin to create a system for how to never fail. Mm. And so this is what I do. So this is why I teach courses. No, but, <laughs> but you know, that's, it's what I, it's, and I recognize that weakness in myself. So I'm trying to simply just let the inspiration be what it is and to follow it and not really look so much for results, but just know that they're there. But I will tell you that that's, that's I've, I mean, I have seen some, a deeper connection with my, with my children in the past couple of weeks. So I think it's just getting out of the way and letting the Lord sort of just shore up whatever he's doing there that I maybe I don't even know of. But if you tell me, and, and that's what the merciful mama was, it absolutely was a system. It's a good system. But my brain will turn it into a, a fail-safe, and it yeah. becomes self-reliance. So I have to be really careful. But yes, I would say there's the connection is there, but beyond that, I try not to. Mm-hmm. As if I can project on my kids a lot when I do that. Yeah. So, What did you want to be when you were growing up? An astronaut until my teacher told me my math skills were terrible. Oh. <laughs> and I would never math have teacher, if you're listening, shame. <laughs> she did not mean it that way. God bless her soul, but it went into my core as so many things did and my sensitive little heart. That was no one's fault. It was just what I was made for. When I was hurt, it went right into my bones and it stayed. And <laughs> no matter how I tried to get rid of it. So um, she did not mean it that way. So I can't hold it against her. But I, I, I also wanted to be a missionary for a long, long time until I graduate college. Even that was sort of the plan was that I was going to be a missionary. Um, other than that, a writer and a teacher. And that's pretty much it. That's all I ever really wanted to do. So you basically got your dream. Yeah. I, I kind of do feel like I'm living my dream, yeah. to be honest. And I know that sounds so cheesy. It's so cheesy. Even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get made fun of so bad. <laughs> my sister's going to roast me. Um, but it, I, I do. Guys, I do feel like I'm living my dream. Like, I do. I, I don't think that God ever wastes passion. 
I don't, and this is what I want to say to to anyone who needs to hear this. You care about the things that you care about for a reason. Um, you're passionate about the things that you're passionate about for a reason. Don't blow that off in your discernment. It's for something. God doesn't waste that. That, it, that isn't planted for no reason. It always will bear fruit in his garden. I wasted my passions. I wasted a lot of dreams and a lot of passion on things I shouldn't have, but he doesn't. And I feel like that's what he's doing. He is making, he is able to take everything that I always wanted and that I loved and do something with it. And that's not to say my life is all roses. No, it is absolutely not. And I will sit here and talk all day long about the hard parts and the struggles too, so that people don't think that I'm trying to tell you that your life's gonna be easy as a Christian, don't even bother. I mean, Catholic is not the thing to be if you want an easy life. Don't don't go that route. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the easy ticket. But it's, but I do feel like I'm kind of doing exactly what I want to do my whole life. Yeah. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh boy, that's another really bad question. <laughs> okay, so first, I would start, um, I really would like to see Switzerland and Lourdes and um, kind of that that area around Austria and Prague, that whole centrally, all of Europe, just all of Europe. I just want to see it. Not Italy, I've already been. I know, right? Shocking. A Catholic that doesn't want to go to Italy. I've already been. Don't need to see it again. We're good. Um, Florence is amazing. It's better than Rome. Sorry, Pope Francis. Um, I... And then I would want to go to Scandinavia. I mean, really, I read, a, I read a book. It was a tome. It changed my life. It carved a piece of my soul, and now I can't get it out of me. Um, Kristen Lovren's daughter takes place in Norway. I've been wanting to go ever since. So I got to go to Scandinavia. I want to go to Iceland. Um, I don't want to go to Australia or Japan or China. Yeah, because, they ha- like, Australia has everything that will kill you. It does, but so does Oklahoma, so... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like a mini Australia kind of <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, I, everywhere. I want to go everywhere, everywhere. South America. Mm-hmm. All the things. So this term was already kind of used, current dream, but I'm meaning it in a different, like, different way. So like, what is your current dream for your life? Like, what is it that you really want to attain or to accomplish or? This is going to sound again really cheesy. I want to build a life that I don't have to escape from. I saw that as a quote and it just stuck with me. I want to structure, I want to really live what I think is important. I'd like to live by that. I'd like to not be fettered by unimportant things. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to do laundry because laundry is important. (laughs) It is a sanctifying thing. What I mean by that is if I say I don't want to be on technology, I want to live that. I want that to really happen. Um, if I say I believe that our children should travel, then I want to eat peanut butter and jelly for two weeks to make that happen, or a month, or a year, whatever. Please don't feed your children peanut butter and jelly for a year. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I want to build a life that I don't feel exhausted from in a negative way. Being exhausted is just a part of being a mother, I think, because we're just going all the time. And it's even part of building a fruitful life, is being exhausted. But there's a different kind of exhaustion. There's an exhaustion of feeling like you're spinning your wheels and you're not really who you think you are inside. I think a lot of people are completely different people inside of the life that they're living. What's that quote about um, 
men live quiet lives of quiet desperation. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. I just, I don't want that um, unless it's desperation for God. But I don't want to, I don't want to live a life that is different than what's inside of me. I want to make my insides match my outsides, mm-hmm. no matter what. So it sounds like like you basically you want to let go of vice and hold on to and live out virtue. Yes. Oh yes, that would be part of it. Yeah, I think that would just. Yeah, I really would like to just be the exact same person on the inside as I am on the outside. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Lauren, thank for you. letting us grill you today. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Ask you questions and um, letting us know a little bit more about you. And join us again in two weeks when it's my turn. I'll be interviewing her me and Uh Alita thank you and as always thank you for joining us thanks thank you join us again in two weeks until then may God bless you and may Mary accompany you